everyone. Welcome to Semester 3, Episode 5 of our Just Admitted podcast, where former deans and directors of mission give expert insight into the complex higher ed landscape. I'm Christine, a former assistant director of admissions at Yale and Georgetown. And joining me today is my friend and colleague, Robin, who is a former senior assistant director of admissions at Georgetown. In this episode, we're going to discuss why letters of recommendation are an important part of the college admissions rubric and offer advice on how students can cultivate good relationships with their teachers and how students should choose which teachers to ask for recommendation letters. So Robin, um, I know Robin, it's actually a special treat to talk with you because I know you've been on both the admission side and on um, the counseling side as well. So, and you are, we were also a former English teacher. So you have so much expert perspective coming from all angles here. So maybe we could just start with the very macro kind of level thing. Who writes letters of recommendation? Sure, sure. Uh, thanks for having me today, Christine. It's a real treat to be able to talk to you about the letters of recommendation, an important part of the, the college application. Uh, so when it comes to the letters of recommendation, which are typically required for applications, you have the letter of recommendation from the student's high school counselor. And then there's typically teacher recommendations as well. How many will vary from university to university, and we'll get into more of those logistics in, in a little bit. There might also be additional letters of recommendation. So those could be from a research mentor, a research mentor from um, the student's experience uh, doing independent research. It could be a supervisor from um, the student's job. It, it might be from a coach um, or maybe even an additional teacher. Uh, there even are some universities that allow students to submit a letter of recommendation from a peer. So that might be a friend. It could be uh, a sibling. So there, there's a lot of different ways that universities um, approach that that letter of recommendation, but those are sort of the four main categories that that students and families can think about when it comes to those uh, letters of recommendation. Yeah, I mean that's um, definitely good to have that overview. Um, sometimes we think immediately like, oh, it's you know my. Um, junior year English teacher, but actually there could potentially be other people who could be writing on your behalf um, in the application process. Um, I was just thinking too is, you know, why why are letters of recommendation important? Um, why do know, they matter? <laughs> yeah, why do they matter? Why are we talking about them today? So what do you think, Prophet? Right. Well, when it comes to reading an application, of course, um, you know, we've both been on that um, side of the desk and you have those hard factors, the quantitative factors, uh, the, the student's academic record, the rigor of their courses, um, the grades they've earned, possibly standardized test scores. And then there's those soft factors, the qualitative factors, uh, personal essay, extracurricular activities, and letters of recommendation. So the letters of recommendation are meant to capture who that student is in the classroom, what kind of student are they? Uh, how do they contribute to the learning environment? What do they add to the school environment? Those are the types of details that admissions officers are hoping to pick up on when they read those letters of recommendation. So intangible um, characteristics that might not be coming through in other elements of the application. And that helps create that more cohesive picture of that student because when an admissions counselor is reading a letter of recommendation, they're trying to get a sense of who will this student potentially be within our campus community? Uh, how is that student going to contribute to the academic community? How is that student going to contribute to our overall uh, campus community? 
community here? What do they bring to the table? And so that's where the letters of recommendation can provide those additional bits of insight into that student as the admissions office is trying to craft an incoming freshman class mm -hmm. for that upcoming fall. Yeah, I, I'm reminded that so much, um, so many components of the application um, itself are from the students, right? The students um, have to write their uh, essays and we're working with students right now on their essay writing. Um, there, um, you, you mentioned the quantitative factors, the transcript um, or test course uh, that may be involved, but the letters of recommendation, um, I really think that's, it's a neat component because it's someone else who's been invited to speak um, and share a little bit more about the students. So other voices chiming in. And I'm often, um, you know, pleasantly surprised. I think students sometimes um, underestimate themselves thinking like, oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not that good or whatever, but um, having another uh, perspective, an outside perspective could be really helpful. Um, there are things that they're doing, um, they're progressing. Sometimes, you know, student who might feel very challenged in a particular class, like uh, let's say, you know, calculus, um, and they work really hard. And from their perspective, they're like, oh, you know, it was such a slog and I'm working hard and I don't know if I'm doing well. But what the teacher is observing is, wow, the student um, has really put in a lot of effort, is trying to be thoughtful, where there might be small moments in a class classroom where a student um, reaches out and helps another student, a classmate, that the so it's nice to get that outsider's perspective about a student as well um, to make it well-rounded exactly all the points that you made um, to help an admissions um, reader or an admissions committee to get that fuller picture, fuller sense of who the student um, is inside and outside the classroom. Um, I think also, too, uh, with the counselor recommendation, another perspective that could provide is at the school level. Um, oftentimes, you know, admissions officers will lean on the school counselor's report to get a sense of what's going on um, at the high school level, the context. I know in particular during COVID, there are a lot of different uh, challenges to, to say the least, um, the way grades may be shaped, um, whatever it may be, um, that the school counselor could um, offer as well. I mean, for a student in particular, if that makes sense, if there are um, specific circumstances or more broadly about the school, that would help the admissions officer to get that um, view as well. Um, what were your, your thoughts kind of as uh, on the school counseling side when you were writing or um, as in the you know, teacher um, when you were writing recommendation, what kind of perspective did you were or hoping to bring into your letters for your students? Yeah, that, I actually, as a school counselor, I always tried to approach the letter from the perspective of, you know, how would this graduating class be different if this student had not been part of it? So sort of looking at the macro level in terms of what was that student doing as far as contributions to the school um, involvement wise, and that didn't always mean it was the student who was in every single leadership role in, you know, an abundant number of activities, but what were the ways in which that student um, had sort of found um, their, their niche? So to speak, at the school, how are they impacting um, the the rest of the, the class or their smaller peer group? And then, based on you know, obviously meetings I would have with the student, um, how had they been progressing academically? So for, for the counselor letter, in many ways, is sort of this umbrella that speaks to like the social contributions that that student has made, as well as the overall sort of academic picture of the student. And occasionally, depending on 
the particular student and that student's circumstances, there might be certain personal um, factors that had impacted the student's um, performance at the school. And if the student gave me permission, I would speak to those things in the letter as well to provide that additional context to the admissions officer. And then from the teaching perspective, uh, when I was an English teacher, it was a similar approach I would take as far as, okay, how would my class have been different without this student? Um, and again, it didn't that wasn't necessarily, you know, the that the student had, you know, been the one constantly contributing to the discussion, but maybe that was the student I could always rely on to have their book open and be able to cite a quotation, um, you know, to support a conversation that was happening in the classroom. And I was able to delve more into the specifics as well in terms of the type of work that that student produced in, in my class in terms of projects and, and essays. And to a point that you made a few moments ago, I often found myself really enjoying writing the letters for the students that had some difficulty in class and that really did have to put in the work as far as, you know, coming in to maybe see me um, to get additional assistance. Um, those students who were really willing to put in the work and who wanted to grow academically. It wasn't just about the grade. It was about just improving, you know, their overall ability to, to write, to express their ideas. And I really appreciated being able to speak to that type of growth in, in the letter, because I know from the college admission side, that's a really positive trait. Um, right, right. You know, when you're reading an application to get that additional backstory behind that academic record that you see on, on the transcript represented by letter grades or numerical grades and, and everything. Yeah, and that's exactly it, right? You can look at a grade um, and you can see an A on a transcript um, and maybe that was very little effort that went into an A. Right, so right. student showed up, did his homework or, you know, took the test, did well. Okay, great. Or you might see a B, B plus, uh, but there's such a story behind how the student got to that grade. So I, I, I mean, those are things that you can never learn from a transcript. Um, you can, yes, see numerically what the student got, but the story behind it. Um, I like your details saying, you know, the student who had the book open could, you know, point to a page um, and add something to a conversation. I love those details that I get from letters of recommendation where there's an anecdote or something um, more than just, you know, a very general sentence like, you know, Susie is a great reader or Susie's a great writer. Um, Susie's insight um, when we studied The Tempest, um, commenting on Caliban's character, you know, just that level of detail um, really is helpful. So, um, beyond kind of just general statements coming from these letters of recommendation, but also specific examples and details, um, anecdotes that can really make a student come alive um, a little bit more in the application as well. I really appreciate those details. Exactly. Exactly. Brings life to the application. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then speaking of, um, so, I mean, we're kind of going from like big picture, you know, who um, should be writing um, these or who can be writing these letters of recommendation um, to how they kind of function in the missions process or what role they play to some more, uh, more nitty gritty um, aspects of the um, process. So in terms of just how many letters of recommendation we get these questions a lot. Um, 
what are your kind of your experience in terms of like how many should a student be thinking about? We you mentioned earlier, um, for example, you know, a counselor could be writing that's actually required um, that the school counselor would have as part of the secondary school report, for example. Um, but in terms of like teachers, like how many should students be thinking about um, and should they be thinking about supplemental or um you know, optional recommendation. Well, when it comes to the teacher recommendations, you always want to think about, or students should think about asking two teachers to write on their behalf. And the the next question that usually comes up is, well, which teacher should I ask? Uh, should they be from two similar academic uh, subjects? So, you know, maybe English and, and, and history or math and science. And I often find that it's better for the student to ask teachers from those subjects that they themselves are interested in exploring more in college, um, mm-hmm. either as their their major or if they're not quite sure what they might want to major in uh, academic subjects that have really held their interest, um, stimulated their intellectual curiosity. So it's perfectly fine to have an English teacher recommendation and then a history teacher recommendation mm-hmm. if the student is drawn more towards the, the humanities and social sciences. You know, likewise, um, if a student's interested in, say, um, STEM, then having a math or science teacher recommendation, uh, math and science, I should say, w- would work perfectly well. And, and certainly, and, you know, Christine, we, we very often encounter students that really just aren't quite sure. They like a lot of different things. Um, and they have a lot of different interests. And I do think in some of those instances, it's perfectly fine if there's a recommendation from um, a humanities teacher and then a recommendation from from a science teacher. If, if those teachers can really speak to, um, you know, that that student and, and how that student has contributed to their, their classroom environment, I think that's OK. But more often than not, I tend to see students gravitate towards teachers in, you know, sort of similar academic areas um, in terms of the teachers they end up asking. I don't know if you've seen that same thing, too. I, I think that's definitely um, those are really good thoughts. Um, that's a very common question we get. Should I get um, I think students hear from different sources. I should get um, a humanities teacher. I should get a STEM teacher to show that I'm well-rounded. Um, I don't think that should be the driving factor. You can certainly think about how you want to present yourself. Am I a well-rounded student? But certainly for students who are more interested in a subject area, for instance, uh, more broadly speaking, like the humanities, it might be helpful to have an English teacher or um, history teacher especially if they can comment on your writing or your reading. Similarly, if you're thinking about engineering, it would it might be helpful to have a physics teacher or um, a calculus teacher to speak to your quantitative. I often tell students that too, at the end of the day, from my reading perspective as an admissions officer, it's the teachers who can be your strongest advocate, who can say the most about who you are. Um, yes, it would be nice to have that balance or yes, it might be nice to have a subject area alignment. And that should be, I'm not saying that those are not important, but I would rather read a recommendation that says Susie or Johnny um, is one of the best students I've ever had coming from a French teacher, you know, who, you know, students not thinking even about majoring in French rather than someone, you know, an additional math teacher who will just say Susie is a great student, showed up on time and did her homework. Um, I would prefer to have that teacher who could say, well, this is one of the best student 
because X, Y, and Z, she not only did her assignments, but she was so thoughtful, um, did went the extra mile or was just so kind and considerate in the classroom. So the best advocate is um, what I would recommend to student is, yes, think about the subject um, interest alignment, think about your strength, um, but also think about the teacher who uh, knows you the best, who can provide the best recommendation. To me, that's like the foundational question at the end of the day. Um, if you're kind of weighing through some options, which teacher knows me better and could be my stronger advocate um, in the process? Yeah, I definitely agree because it really does come down to that content in the letter. And I always you know, advise students if, if they really are maybe struggling in terms of trying to identify you know, the teacher they'd like to have right on their behalf or teachers, it, it go, you know, think about the why. Like, why would you want you know, your Spanish teacher to write on your behalf, even though you're not interested, perhaps majoring in Spanish, Mm -hmm. but if that's someone that, you know, has maybe served as, as a coach as well, or has supervised a club that the student is is Mm -hmm. part of and has, you know, obviously seen that student beyond the academic environment, that could be a really, really helpful letter of recommendation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so in that regard, by all means, that, that should be somebody that the student asks. And so sometimes I think it's helpful for students to talk through the options that they're considering, um, you know, with their high school counselor um, so they can kind of dig into the why. Because at the end of the day, I I do encourage students to really think about, well, why are you asking that teacher? Mm -hmm. You know, what have you done in that classroom? What have your interactions been like with that teacher, you know, in the online (laughs) Zoom environment that, you know, many, many of us are experiencing now? Um, Because I think sometimes students immediately think, oh, I'm going to ask the teacher that gave me the best grades. And sometimes that's maybe not the, the best teacher to write on your behalf if you don't really feel like that teacher knows you well enough. Sure, you've done your work and you've earned strong grades, but does that teacher really know you beyond the fact that you do get your work done and, and you right. earn you know high marks on, on those assignments and everything? Absolutely. And I think about the relatedly um, that sometimes students ask us, well, does it have to be a junior year teacher? Right. Um, I think that's preferable because um, the, it's most recent. So for seniors in the fall who are applying. At the same time, if you have a sophomore year teacher, uh, it's not an absolute no. You just have to think about the context and the relationship. Yes. And I wouldn't, you know, I still think very hard about having at least one junior year teacher, but there might be a sophomore year teacher who maybe will teach you again in senior year for a semester, or maybe that sophomore year teacher is also a club advisor for something. So it's not a universal rule that should be absolutely junior year and earlier year school year teacher could work, but you want to think through again, you know, what we've been talking about, just that relationship, the context, what can this particular teacher offer that another teacher may not be able to offer it. So it's not a absolute rule. And especially I'm thinking of students this year um, who had most of their, you know, 11th grade junior year online. And so it's hard to establish some of these in-person relationships that you normally would have during in-person school. So um, definitely be thoughtful about that. And if you, you know, if you could have that conversation with the school counselor to talk through why that could be another really good resource, um, you know, to have in thinking through who would be the best person to, to write your letters of recommendation. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's a good segue into another question that we often get, which is, you know, is it okay if I send in an additional letter of recommendation? Um, So Christine, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Additional letters of recommendation, especially if they're not, um, 
it, it, let's say, especially if those letters aren't necessarily um, an option based on what the university or college's preferences are, because some schools will indicate on the Common App that they do allow right. an additional letter. But right. let's like think about the case where that isn't made clear. Should a student add one or two additional letters. I think that for me, the driving principle here is um, more is not better. Um, it's, I mean, we've all been <laughs> on the side of the desk where we're reading how many applications per day, how many, you know, just essays and letters of recommendation. So um, I do sometimes encourage students to think from the perspective of the admissions officer, like, okay, is this an absolutely necessary piece of information about you that if I didn't have it, I would be glaringly missing something about you as a student? So, um, and sometimes, you know, it, it, it couldn't be yes. The answer is yes. I did an amazing summer research project and I submitted at that to the Regeneron, you know, International Science and Engineering Fair. And my mentor knows so much about me in that particular context that no high school teacher would know about me. Or I've been playing soccer for you know, 10 years, <laughs> however long. And my soccer coach knows me like almost like a second parent, or I volunteered at this shelter in our community for the last four years I've done. Yes, there are definitely um, uh, opportunity where someone else outside of your school um, or outside of the classroom really has observed you, know you. Um, so, you know, just think through, yes, sometimes there might be that person, but also what would they say about you? What would they add to your overall profile? And um, would they say something interesting and different more than just Susie volunteer at our, you know, uh, local food bank for the last two years. And she's a good worker and shows up on time. I could probably get that information from reading your activity list that you volunteer at the local food bank. You've been doing for two years, you volunteer, you know, twice a week, you know, two hours on average, that information is pretty clearly conveyed. Um, but if there's something extraordinary, like you did an amazing project, you um, had really deep relationship with some of the clients of the food bank, et cetera, that I'm not going to get anywhere else uh, in your application. Yeah, maybe. Um, and I would definitely um, be very, very thoughtful and judicious about how many, um, and the last thing an admissions officer who's reading at 10 o'clock at night is to go through a file with you know, five additional recommendations are not helpful at all. So you want to think from that perspective as well. Is it necessary for me to have this letter or is this information more or less conveyed uh, very clearly in another um, required component of the application? Yeah, I agree. It's really a matter of what is the value added mm -hmm. by this um, additional letter of recommendation. And so certainly with outside activities um, and some of the examples you mentioned, that, that absolutely might merit um, an additional letter of recommendation that's going to shed um, additional insight into uh, that student and, and the research they've done or you know work outside the home they've done. <laughs> Oftentimes, though, I remember <laughs> reading applications where there would be a recommendation from, you know, some very loose connection um, that the student had to an individual, um, you know, the neighbor's uncle's friend <laughs> um, that they met once. And uh, those typically didn't tell me anything new. Mm -hmm. um, 
Um, and it's it's the letters that, again, are going to shed a little more insight beyond what the counselor says, the teacher says, that are going to be the most valuable in terms of the review of the application. Yeah. And students should not worry. I know sometimes when they're in that peer setting at school, um, they may hear from a classmate, oh, well, someone who is writing my letter of recommendation or I have you know four additional ones or whatever. So to just focus on their own profile and not feel like, oh, my gosh, am I missing out on something if I it, is everyone else submitting four recommendations uh, in addition to the required ones? More is not better. Obviously, you can actually potentially annoy an admissions officer yes. with all the extraneous information. <laughs> that's not necessary. So be very, very thoughtful about. And I think that's actually true. Just kind of um, side note, um, I've heard from so many admissions officers that, you know, the application is designed to capture the most um, essential information that they want to read about a student. And they really do not want to read anything beyond what's required. So think very carefully. Um, yes, there are extenuating circumstances or a special situation that merit an, a, a kind of an optional thing. So if there is an option to submit an additional recommendation, think very carefully through like, what would this, as you said, Robin, what's the value added of this letter versus what my teachers are saying or my counselor is saying that, I'm, I'm, that I can't even convey in my activity list or in an essay about an activity that I'm doing. So um, to think very thoroughly um, and carefully about that um, and not feel like you have to because everyone else is, you don't know what everyone else is submitting and that's actually helping them or not helping them in the process. Right. The final thing I would say about that is simply, I was always really suspect when I received an application file and I'm dating myself because this was when applications were still in manila mm -hmm. folders and they were paper, <laughs> but I was always suspect if the um, file was thick because that usually meant that there were extraneous letters of recommendation that repeated the same information that the counselor and the teacher shared. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so think carefully. Um, we're not saying don't do it. Just think very carefully about that. Yes. Um, what about a timeline, Robin? When, um, especially from the school side, um, when did you want student to ask you um, when you were a teacher so you had enough time to prepare <laughs> to write the letter? <laughs> Sure. Yes. As a former English teacher, um, I was I was popular. I think English teachers tend to be asked to write a lot. You're good writers, too. Right. <laughs> I think that. Yes, I think that's part of it. Uh, so, um, you know, for me, I, I preferred the students ask me in the spring semester of their junior year. And that was actually the timeline that the school counseling office um, at my school used. And so the school counseling office had the juniors ask their teachers by a certain date in the spring semester. Mm -hmm. So that way I could gauge, you know, how many letters I would potentially be writing. Um, I liked to start working on those over the mm -hmm. summer. So I didn't have to try to write, you know, I think the most I ever wrote was 30. Um, so I didn't have to write well, all 30 of them during yeah. the school year. Um, so timeline wise, I think for sure, like for, from the student perspective, junior years, you know, beginning of junior years when they really need to be thinking about that, um, you know, which two teachers are they going to ask? I would think that most teachers would appreciate being asked sooner rather than later. I would recommend, you know, that students do check with their school counseling office to see if their counseling office does have a specific internal deadline by which they want students to ask the teachers um, to write on their behalf. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's good form, though, to to ask the teachers in that spring semester, uh, because once that senior year begins, um, whether school starts in August or September, I mean, you're off to the races. It's so incredibly busy. And for a teacher to suddenly have 20 students, um, you know, requesting a letter of recommendation in the month of September, that's really overwhelming. So I tend to advise students um, to to look to the spring to, to start thinking more specifically about which teachers and then to actually ask them at that point time. That's a really good point because you want the teacher, I mean, I don't know if teachers, um, they're not obligated to do any work during the summer if that's oh, not. Oh, by no means. No, that's right. just me. <laughs> but I was just thinking through that it might, it's probably the better if they were writing uh, during summer, June might be a better time than I can't imagine. I mean, my kids uh, kids just went back to school. How crazy it is for student, you know, teachers at the beginning of September, just, you know, getting the school year started, um, trying to get everything arranged. But the latest, I would say, if you you know, as a student, if you cannot decide or you're waiting on a piece of information or something about your school's process, I would say if you have a November 1st deadline for those who are applying um, early uh, decision or early action to at least give, uh, I mean, two months if you can. So we're kind of working back to early September. Um, It's just that I hope no one's doing this, but, you know, the two weeks before the week before, that's just not, you probably won't get a good (laughs) letter. I can imagine that, you know, teacher trying to grade and, you know, plan lessons and teach and then have to write these letters of recommendation. So the earlier, the better. Um, it is a good tip to check with your um, counseling office at school, the college counseling office to see if they have a process. I've worked with students over the years where the the counseling office sometimes may send out a questionnaire um, for their own letters of recommendation. Um, sometimes they have a form for students to fill out for their teachers. I've seen teachers asking um, students to fill out a questionnaire, you know, very typical questions like, what did you learn the most about my class? How do you think you've uh, grown? What do you want me to share about you in my letter of recommendation? So teachers are looking for for um, information as well. And I think that's a really a great opportunity for students to take those questionnaires seriously, to think about what information do I want to share with my teacher um, that I want them to convey. If I'm um, you know, asking two teachers, what do I want my math teacher? What do I want my English teacher? Or whichever te- teacher you're asking to share about me. So that thoughtfulness into the process could really help teachers to write um, and counselors to write stronger letters of recommendation um, as well. Um, and sometimes I always encourage students to just even include a resume or if you've started and I, I don't want to, you know, overburden teachers because they've a lot on their plate already. But if you do have a piece of uh, thoughtful writing, if you've been starting uh, to work on your college essay or whatever, just a way for them to see a little bit more how you think, how you write as an individual that could be helpful beyond what they already know about you. I always really appreciated the the thoughtfulness that students would infuse into their answers for the the questionnaires that that I gave students. Um, those responses really helped me provide more detailed information in my letters. And I, while I recognize not every school um, requires those types of documents, that's where, as you said, Christine, you know, a resume can be helpful, um, just so the the teacher has a sense of you know other things the student might be involved with, especially if it's a larger school and the teacher might not be aware of, you know, the extracurricular activities that the students um, taking part in as well. So I think any kind of extra information that a student is able to share is only going to benefit them in terms of the type of content that the the teacher can then discuss in, in the letter and in terms of, once again, presenting that fuller picture of the student. 
Exactly. And I think that, you know, for me, the point about just um, the details that, um, I mean, good letter does not happen overnight and you can do all these great things. You can fill out the reflection questionnaire or you can share a resume. You can even have a good conversation, really. I kind of the old fashioned way of asking Mr. Johnson or, you know, Miss Jones or whatever, um, a, you know, for a letter to have a conversation rather than just like, hey, could you, you know, um, but the 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 foundation, the bottom line is too, is it's a relationship. It's something that um, it's taking place over time. So how you are, who you are as a student um, throughout the entire year, throughout your entire high school career is important. So think about, you. obviously you, you don't want to be so focused on, oh, I want a good letter of recommendation for my college application. But it's, if you're just building good relationship with your teachers throughout high school, throughout junior year, throughout sophomore year, you will inevitably have good recommendations because they get to know you. Um, and so be proactive. Um, sometimes, you know, coming in to class a little bit early, staying a little bit late, you know, have those thoughtful conversations with teachers say, thank you. I cannot um, stress enough just being, a, you know, thankful and just email communication, all those little details matter. And so take the time and not just be strategic in thinking recommendation, but more, how can I be a good student? How can I have a strong relationship with my teacher? I think if you just continue to work on those components by spring of junior year, you will have good relationship and good uh, recommenders who can write these good letters for you. I agree. It's all about the authenticity that you just described. That's, That's what can make the difference. Yes. Um, a few other uh, just kind of FAQs, I would say that we often get. Um, so uh, what about like the important people recommendation? I think you kind of <laughs> alluded to that a little bit earlier about, you know, like, a, you know, the the neighbor's uncle's, you know, brother who might be uh, the alumnus of the college that I'm applying to. Or I know my congressman who can write me a line of recommendation. What about these important people? Do you think those are helpful, Robin? <laughs> I, yeah, that's it's such a good question and topic because it, it comes up quite a bit. Um, the, the association that families, I think, often make is, oh, well, if, if we know this important person, that's going to make a huge difference in the way that my, my student's application will be reviewed. And, and for me, what it always came down to was, does this person actually know the student or did this person meet the student once when they were 12 years old and right. hasn't interacted with the student since then and is simply regurgitating essentially the student's resume in their letter. Mm -hmm. Um, It always was very obvious to me if this, you know, (laughs) important person, as I'm air quoting here, important person actually knew the student. It was that the content would always give it away. And so in that regard, it was you know, it didn't, again, what was the value added in some cases, really nothing, really nothing, unless the person had, you know, some kind of meaningful um, interaction with the student and better yet, some type of relationship that Mm -hmm. has been sustained over time with the student, those type of letters very often just do not, I would say more often than not, do not have a significant impact yep. in, in the admissions decision made. I don't know how you feel about that. I absolutely agree. If anything, again, I'm always, you know, just sharing because that's what we're here for, um, to share from that admissions perspective is that that admissions officer, I 
you know, always kind of go back to that 10 o'clock image of, you know, they're tired, they've been reading all day. And the last thing you want is, oh, someone who has, you know, a letter from a congressperson or someone from, um, you know, a, a alum who's adding nothing to it. If anything is, you're just like, oh, I don't know, you know, I didn't want to read that. Like, why am I reading this? And then the kind of the impression that it gives off about a student too is why do you have this recommendation? Why did you ask this person? So um, think very carefully. Uh, I think unless, you know, absence of a really meaningful relationship or interaction, uh, it's probably not helpful, um, not necessary, not helpful to include um, those types of uh, recommendations. Um, another question that we get, um, FERPA, um, and should I waive my rights to see um, the letter of recommendation? Um, any thoughts from yes, such from a community. common question from students. I remember, <laughs> I remember seniors coming to my my office. You know, what does this mean? Why 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 should I waive my right? Um, yeah. So FERPA is the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, and when it comes to the letters of recommendation, um, there is a waiver um, that exists within the the common application um, where it asks students, "Do you waive your rights?" and I always recommend to students to check, yes, I waive my rights to see this letter of recommendation. And the reason behind that is that when a student, I remember seeing applications, you know, many years ago, um, and it was always maybe just a couple where the student had checked no. And my first thought was always, why? What are they concerned about <laughs> um, in terms of the content of their letters? And I think what a lot of students don't realize is that um, they think if they check no, that means they're going to get to see the letters before they're sent to the colleges. Right. And that's not how it works at all. Um, if a student were to check no, that means that once they enrolled at the college of their choice, should they want to see those letters, and this is assuming the college keeps those as part of the yep. file, then they could access them. Mm -hmm. um, so I always tell students, you want to waive your rights because the person reading your application wants to see that, you know, the, the people who wrote the letters had no concern um, regarding, you know, whether or not the student was going to access the letters and see the content, et cetera. You want to know that they're writing um, from a place of authenticity, essentially. Um, so I, I, what would you add to that, Christine? Um, absolutely. I think that was that would be my first thought, too, is like, why? Did you want to see the letter? <laughs> you know, and is the um, is the recommender writing with um, openly, right? If there's some things that they want to raise concern, otherwise I would think like, of course they're going to write a very nice and vanilla letter because they're worried the teacher or the counselor is worried the student will have seen it and you know and have thoughts about them. So um, don't worry, it's not going to impact you. I don't think you'll miss out too much if you waive your rights to see those uh, letters of recommendation. Um, and sometimes teachers um, and counselor, you know, depending, they, they give you the courtesy of, uh, you know, taking a look at the letter before they send it off. Not every teacher um, or counselor will do that. So don't ask, they don't offer, but um, you might be able to see them anyhow. So, uh, so wave away your reins um, freely and uh, do not worry about it. Um, but that's a good question. Um, maybe a final question I can think of is uh, just how do you submit uh, the letter? Um, so I think from that perspective, one is just go to your uh, first, you know, make sure you attend all the sessions offered by your counseling office. Talk to your counselor if you don't know, um, because every school will have their own system of how they want students to submit letters, whether it's through their own application platform system like a Naviance or Score, or maybe they want students to do it through the Common App. Um, colleges themselves have 
various additional portals. There's a lot for high school students to keep track of. Um, there are application portals um, for each individual college. Um, if you cannot find out any information between your high school um, and you know just written instruction from the colleges, you can always call the admissions office and say, I have um, a letter from my violin teacher. I don't know how to submit this. I, have, I cannot find the information. First of all, just look for the information. If you cannot, after much research and um, search on this process, then you can email or call the admissions office, I think, to, to see if there's a way to get the additional recommendation that you're trying to get in to them. Um, any um, kind of advice on that from your perspective, Robin? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree that when in doubt, you know, definitely check with your school counselor, but also just read the information carefully yes. that's on the websites because yes. often the answer's there. Sometimes it might not be as clear as it should be, but right. take the time to, to read through that fine print, whether it's in the Common App or on the the university's own application, um, because you know typically you can you can find that answer there um, without you know getting too spun up and concerned that oh my gosh right. how am I supposed to do this? Right. Right. Um, there, there, those resources are are there available to you. I think that, you know, we've covered a lot of information today and maybe just one thought I would leave um, with with, you know, everybody is I know we've gotten many questions, um, certainly over the past year or so regarding, um, you know, COVID and not necessarily having that inter, in, um, person to person interaction with teachers um, and, and, you know, maybe students feel that they don't know their teachers as well or their teachers don't know them as well, because in some situations, students have been in a virtual environment for a significant portion of, of, you know, their academic experience. And, you know, I always remind students that colleges absolutely understand that. Um, they are very aware of that um, when they are reading applications and especially when it comes to, you know, the letters of recommendation because students haven't necessarily been able to interact with their teachers in ways that they were once able to do. And, you know, there's humans that are reading these applications. And so they absolutely understand that, you know, one school's um, academic environment um, maybe was more online than another's. And that might certainly impact, you know, the types of things that teachers are able to write about in their letters and counselors for that matter. So I would, you know, just want to remind students of that. Um, you know, there's certain things that, you know, um, for all of us really that have been beyond our control um, over, over the past year and a half. And, and colleges certainly um, absolutely take that in, into consideration and our understanding um, in that regard when it comes to, you know, these letters of recommendation. Oh, that's such a good thought. Yeah, um, such a good thought, Robin. I, I know there uh, it's been just really challenging. Um, I'm losing count of how many months we've been in <laughs> this pandemic building. Um, that to keep in mind that there are real people uh, like myself and Robin and our colleagues at Ivy Wise who um, are real people who sat, um, who sit in, um, you know, in front of computer screens looking at all these applications. <laughs> They've been through it themselves, um, so they understand. So do your best um, and good luck to all the students out there who are, you know, um, working on, you know, their applications right now. Yes, it's a busy time, but mm -hmm. they will absolutely get through it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in to Just Admit It. Uh, catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page and be sure to bookmark our IvyWise knowledge base for additional help with navigating the college admissions process. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for more college prep resources. And stay tuned for our next episode in which we will discuss the different MBA application rounds.